You're so good and your mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Your loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Even when we've not been faithful, you are faithful. We praise you tonight. We honor you tonight. We glorify you, Jesus, for your goodness and your mercy. (laughs) God, as we discuss marriage tonight, I love that place. Fill every home, God. Let that praise be our breakthrough. That worship be our warfare. And we don't succumb to the strategies of the enemy, but we lift you up in our home. We lift you up preeminent in our lives and in our marriage, in our family, in our home, that you might be Lord of all. We thank you. We praise you. We magnify you for the blood of Jesus. That blood that cleanses us from all sin, that blood that breaks the power of sin, that blood that redeemed us unto God. We thank you for the blood. We declare the blood over every home, every family, every life, that that which was purchased by your blood would be realized, would be recognized, would be apprehended, grabbed a hold of, and possessed by each and every one. Let not one drop of blood that you shed be in vain on our behalf, but that we would learn what was purchased by that blood and partake in that which was purchased for us, that we might truly live in the abundant overflow of life that you provided for us in your redemptive work. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor for all that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) I'm excited about tonight as we prepare, as they bring out the the table and all that stuff. I just want to uh, read this little portion again as we get into uh, the state of the union. And uh, this is really as we have entered into... Uh, the past eight weeks, and we've been on line in our Take 10 t- uh, prayer time as Pastor Tasha and I have been together talking about marriage, praying for marriage. This is one of the, the contexts or the, the foundational texts that we launched off of with, from the Message Bible, and it's in Malachi chapter 2. It says, God, not you, made marriage. His spirit, listen to this, his spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God. That's what. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. Don't cheat on your spouse. You know, as we were singing that song and as we get into our discussion tonight and begin to answer questions and talk about that, I just want to encourage you. There's, you know, there's just a few places where God really talks to us about guarding. He talks to us about putting the word in our heart and guarding our heart. He talks about the peace of God guarding our heart and our mind, but here he says, guard the spirit of your marriage. You know, sometimes in marriage, I think we get to the place where we think, this is where power struggles come in, is we think, you know what, I'm the husband, I need to be in control of what goes on in my marriage, and sometimes the wife feels like, you know what, no, I need to be in control, but what we really have to realize, and, and I believe this scripture brings it out, is Jesus needs to be the Lord of our marriage. Mm-hmm. His word, his spirit needs to be in control. It's the spirit of God that leads and guides us in marriage. It's the spirit of God that really begins to work in our hearts. When things are not right, he directs us, he guides us. He anoints us right, right to be who we should be. So as we're talking about these things tonight, we'll have a little fun with some questions and, and, and have a good time. But I, I just felt like I really needed to or wanted to, however you put that, encourage you. You know, we can just get going and try to function and navigate marriage. But God, by His Spirit, inhabits even the smallest details. And sometimes we get caught up in the details and we get, you know, the details about this or that. But He inhabits the details so that our marriage can be what God ordained for it to be. And so we want to guard it. We don't want to let the enemy in the front door through strife and division. We don't want to just open up and say, come on in. We want to guard our marriage. Anyway. Yeah, that's good. I know you have a kickoff, so (laughs) sorry. I I don't have a kickoff. I might have taken your thunder there. I'm sorry. No, that's good. I don't don't really have a kickoff. I just uh, 
was going to read the scripture that we read last week um, out of Proverbs 24, 4 through 6, out of the message. It says, it takes wisdom to build a house and understanding to set it on a firm foundation. It takes knowledge to furnish its rooms with fine furniture and beautiful draperies. It's better to be wise than strong, intelligent. Intelligence outranks muscle any day. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, and then it says, uh, strategic planning is the key to warfare. To win, you need a lot of good counsel. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we did this this uh, time, really, the State of the Union, um, is so that we could really bring counsel and help and take your questions. And so in taking your questions, we've actually talked a lot about it and right. had time to just <laughs> think and talk uh, ourselves. So right. it's been really good. It's been good for us. Yeah. So, yes. So do you want to start out with some questions uh yeah we, let's just get rolling here okay i'm ready okay so we'll, we'll navigate if god speaks to us about something <laughs> we'll yeah try to follow him through this okay. all right okay so first of all um a couple of fun ones uh one was this what's the first movie you remember seeing together and we have top gun we yeah. might have seen other movies but that one sticks out to I us i know it sticks out yeah i yeah I don't know when it came out, but I remember that as the first movie too. Uh -huh. and, and that was pretty fun. Top Gun with Tom Cruise. And then um, they asked this also, it's the second part of this question, and what are some quarantine date night movies that you might recommend? So we talked a lot about our date nights um, last week, which was kind of fun. And, uh, and by the way, <laughs> I have a little picture um, to show it's of some date night supplies that somebody brought and dropped off at our door. Some, uh, Todd and Joanne came, and I just want to say thank you to them for yes. bringing the Twix and the Coke and the Baby Ruths because we're all set up for a date night. Yes, we are. So, <laughs> I know. So that, sugar, sugar, sugar. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty fun. But there's a couple movies we've been watching recently, yeah. and um, so I'll tell you a couple of mine. Leap Year, always love that. That's a good one. The Sandlot. Sandlot's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> one of my favorites, yep. And then also Marley and Me, always good. Touches the, the heart of every person. Yes. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, the Intern, that's another really great one. And Morning Glory, we watched that one just recently. And, yeah, it's an old movie. And, it's like an 80s movie, but uh, yeah. we had fun with it. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun, fun to watch. Yeah. So some of the others that you've been pulling out lately. Yeah, I like Gladiator, Braveheart. <laughs> Ladies, sometimes uh, date night, you have to watch a guy movie, all the chick flicks. Right. I know they might be romantic, but especially in quarantine, <laughs> the guy needs to be able to do some guy stuff here. Right. <laughs> I like Gladiator, yeah, Braveheart. Yeah, that's good. Yep. And then, um, this is one that you said as well, I Can Only Imagine. Yeah, I Can Only Great Imagine. Movie. That was a really good movie. Really good one. And then together we've been exploring uh, The Chosen. Yeah. It's a new series out. Yes. And you ha we've been watching it from the app. My sister shared the app with me. If you just go on and look up The Chosen, um, you can get the app downloaded to your phone. And then if you have one of those cords, a HDMI cord, you can plug your phone into your TV. And that's what we've been doing. We've been watching it um, that way. So that's a really great one. Love that. All right. So then another question that somebody asked us is, what was the best prank you ever pulled on each other? So we're not super big for pranks. I yeah, mean, we're not. We're not. But we d I did do something. Aspen Colson posted something on Facebook, and it was this. I have a picture of what she posted. It's a toilet with two rolls of toilet paper on top and an empty toilet paper cardboard in the uh, in between the seat and so it looks like the toilet is smoking so aspen thank you for doing that because i did that at my toilet at home and it did make everybody laugh yeah. so that was really good <laughs> and that was kind of fun yeah but we're not we're not big on pranks yeah we like to surprise each other um yeah like uh, the best tasha's a great at surprises and, and this is something I think it really pertains to marriage um, really coming on my 40th birthday we were j just driving one time I remember in the spring and we were listening to the radio and somebody was talking about fantasy camp in in uh, uh, you know the Rockies were having fantasy camp at that time or something and I was just expressing to her how 
you know, that would be cool to do a fantasy camp sometime. I like baseball. I played baseball when I was a teenager. And uh, on my 40th birthday, she uh, got it together and sent me to a fantasy, a major league fantasy camp in Florida. And uh, that was an awesome surprise. And uh, on your 40th birthday, I surprised you. And uh, you jumped out of a plane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, oh, that was actually, yeah, that was, I was going to say, surprise me. How? Surprise me again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was really a good surprise. Um, he surprised me with taking me skydiving, which I'm totally afraid of heights, and it was a big thrill and something I'll never forget because I really did do it. So yep. it, was, it was really fun. That was a good surprise. That was a really good yep. surprise. So we don't do pranks as much as we do surprises. And yeah. You don't like surprises too much, so it takes a little work to try to figure out how to surprise you, but yeah. you're great with surprises. So. Oh, thanks. Thanks, hon. All right. So then um, some more serious questions. So those are the fun ones. Yeah. Now we're getting down to some business Get here. Down to business. <laughs> All right. So somebody asked, and actually two questions, um, and they're very similar, so I'm going to read both of them before we start to answer. Um, asked, what if my spouse is an unbeliever? This current situation has created a lot of tension. How do I support my spouse without being preachy or endorsing their fear? And then the second question that is very similar is this. Um, what should you do if you and your spouse have different perspectives on the current situation with politics, fear, and all that is surrounding? So, pray. Right. <laughs> pray, 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 pray. I mean, really, don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Prayer is powerful. And so um, speaking to specifically when your spouse is an unbeliever, um, pray and pray that God would show himself big in this mm -hmm. time. Pray, because uh, as 1 Peter says that, uh, 1 Peter 3, 1, even if uh, your husband or your wife is an unbeliever, your godly lives will speak to them and without any words they can be won over. God is so well able and the yes. Holy Spirit is big and yeah. he is able to do things that we can't even do. He's able to speak to things in our heart that, that we don't even know to speak to. Yes. And so he, that's, a, that's one thing I would say is yeah, pray. And as you're praying, these disagreements that come because of what's going on, there may be fears involved. And uh, we know this, we walk in love that love really dispels uh, the fears that we have, uh, concerns, certainly difference of opinion, then you, you need to really navigate those places and, and understand how, um, you know, a difference of opinion doesn't mean that you have to argue or fight just because there's a difference of opinion. Mm -hmm. And so that will take love, that will take the ability and the grace sometimes to yield. And uh, as we say, some people don't like this phrase, agree to disagree. But Sometimes you have to agree to disagree right. and not get into arguments and fights over it because that's when the enemy will really enter into that situation. Um, you have to set boundaries, I think, sometimes, too, on the negative communication mm -hmm. because when there's fear involved and uh, feelings are involved, sometimes the communication can get really negative and in trying to prove our point or, or make our, our thoughts and fears known, Sometimes it goes down a direction that is not helpful. And so it's good to maybe set boundaries on that communication, too, because it's not going to help either of you to go down a negative pit. Right. So We always come, I think we, you know, sometimes it's hard because there's things that seem peripheral. They're just natural, you know, this is what I think about politics, this is what I think about what's going on. Mm -hmm. But in order, again, to guard the spirit of our marriage, we have to run everything through the Word of God. And... Uh, how important is being right? Uh, being right shouldn't be the most important thing. Uh, walking in love towards one another, the union, yeah. the strength of the union that you have, not you being right and your spouse being wrong, that creates division. But uh, mm -hmm. how, do, how do we unite? Where can we unite? Where can we be strong? Because the enemy will try to take these things, you know, this is what I think about what's going on, this is what you think, and yeah. create division, put a wedge in there. And so we have to guard against those almost subtleties. Maybe in, they've blown up in your house, so they're not subtle. But we have to try to remove those and find out where, where we agree and become uh, stronger through unity rather than um, divided. Yes, that's right. 
So um, I noticed that they posted on here the app for The Chosen. And so you can go to that and you can find it. And uh, there's a scripture that they were looking for, which I'm not sure. It might be, have been Proverbs 24, 4 through 6, or it might have been 1 Peter 3, 1. And 1 Peter 3, 1 talks about your godly lives speaking to your spouse. Proverbs 24 is the very first scripture that we read out of the message. Right. So keeping an eye on, on your conversation there as we're going. All right. So that's good. Keeping peace. Keeping Keep peace, peace is more important. Right. And we really found that out in the beginning too, because I had thoughts and you had thoughts and our thoughts were a little different and we had to come to a place of meeting and at one point just say, okay, we're not going to talk about that right, right. now. So it was, it's, it's not good. a good time. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so here's another question. Uh, how should a married couple handle a breach of trust after a secret has been exposed? And a second question that is very similar to this, how can a spouse regain trust after uh, losing trust? So right. uh, two questions there. And you got this one. I got this one. This one is, there's a lot involved in this right. one. We're both going to get it. But you know what? It starts out with the F word. I mean, not that we're going to start saying F-words in our house. We're going to work on our own heart with the F-word. And the F-word is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Everybody was panicked. For <laughs> right? I know. I know, right? Okay. So anyway, um, how should a married couple handle a breach of trust after a secret has been exposed? So that really tells me that something um, in the relationship has happened that there needs to be forgiveness. And forgiveness is universal to all relationships, every good relationship, whether it's with our kids, with our parents, with our family, with uh, other family members, um, siblings, our husband, our spouse, our mm -hmm. wife, whatever it is, forgiveness is fundamental to our relationship. If we're gonna have a good relationship, then it, there has to be forgiveness. And there's lo so many things in our relationships that need forgiveness, whether it's a very small thing that we can just say, I forgive you, right. or whether it's a very big thing. Uh, those things are, are some of the hardest to get through, and so we're gonna focus on a couple things that'll help with this. And where you don't have forgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. The Word of God tells us that where you won't forgive, God can't forgive you. And so it's a really, it right. seems substantiated. It seems like, you know what? I have every right to not forgive. I've been let down. I've been disappointed. I'm not going to forgive this time. Mm -hmm. and, and again, we'll go on to talk a little bit about building trust. But we feel vulnerable in forgiveness. And we are actually more vulnerable in unforgiveness. Because when mm -hmm. we're in unforgiveness, the Bible says that God cannot forgive you. And so the enemy will yeah. subtly try to get you over into that place where when you're disappointed, you develop resentment. That resentment comes up and uh, uh, then we don't, we get in unforgiveness and all of a sudden things get worse because right. we're kind of blocking God out of our marriage when right. we decide that we're going to live in unforgiveness. And so we have to guard, again, come back and guard that by seeing the power of what forgiveness will do. And you have a few more things on how powerful forgiveness is. Yes. So when something like this happens where there is a breach of trust, um, trust creates safety and security in our marriage. It really creates a place where we, that's, a, that's our home and we want our home to be safe and secure. But one of the words for, um, uh, in the Old Testament for trust is batak. And it, and it means this, it means confident, and it means secure, but it also means careless. So that place of trust in our marriage is a place of carelessness where not like uh, where I'm free from care. Right. I don't have to worry about right. anything between us because uh, we have such openness and there's right. a security in that. And so really when we're talking about trust, it implies that um, that this is a secure place for me. So when something hidden comes out, like let's just say there's a number of different things. It could be a financial thing. It could be pornography. It could be an infidelity. It could be an addiction. It could be so many different things. But when something comes out, it breaks that trust. So that trust has to begin to be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. That trust has to be worked on. And uh, it shakes us. And those things hurt us. And they hurt us deep. And there is pain and there is suffering. And so there's a lot to work through with this. It's not just a simple question where you can say, oh, do this. 
there's a lot to it. Right. So we're going to spend a little bit of time on it. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, secrets and marriage don't go well together. Right. They don't live together. They don't cohabitate together well. Right. And so forgiveness is a process. And especially in something like this, if our marriage is going to survive it, we have to go through a process. And uh, so the first part of that process. Yeah. And it just, you know, sometimes when you get started in your marriage and you want to develop good habits, you have to change them if you've been through. But sometimes it's so easy when we're first married to, well, you know, I just won't talk about that. I won't tell them that because it'll get them upset. And, and all of a sudden you start hiding things. You know, I won't tell them I spent that money. Well, you just started something to possibly get to the point that someday you have a credit card debt that they don't know about that seems insurmountable and it creates a break of trust. You say, well, you know, I was just, I just got on the computer one time and, and ran into that, that, that visual, that pornography. I'm just not going to say anything. But your best guard is to be honest and open yeah. and to say, you know what, I stumbled today and, and this was the time I got on. I need help. Uh, I need to be accountable to that. So that honesty and openness, that trust is the very foundation that you build on. But it's very easy so many times to just say, you know what, today I won't say anything. Today I'll put that in the dark. But that's where the enemy starts to work and, and really work up to the point that now if you have so many things in the dark and you know your marriage is in trouble and now i got to be honest and you right. bring this whole load of stuff then it begins very hard to sift through. So I just encourage you, even if it, it takes working through some difficulty, be honest and open from the very beginning. Uh, don't hide things. Don't right. reserve things just because, you know what, I just want uh, I to, I don't think this is important right now. Work in honesty and openness. So Yeah, yeah. And as things come to light, when somebody admits something that's been a secret, wrong or a secret in their heart for a long time, it takes a lot of courage. There's some shame involved probably. Um, the devil's been working on them and that's why they've maybe kept something undercover. But when it comes to light, I mean, that's one thing that as the spouse hearing that, it's hurtful and painful, but we need to know it takes mm -hmm. a lot of courage to bring something out in the open. And so then we start a process together of dealing with that thing, whatever it is. But one of the main things that we will have to do is make no excuses. We'll right. have to make no excuses. That's right. And that's an important part. So the first step in, in, to honesty in this is to acknowledge the wrong and how that has affected your spouse. But now make no excuses. Assess what we need to do and go forward. And without uh, trying to cover yourself of but this, but that, you, you have to really, you have to open yourselves up to each other. Yeah, the apology gets kind of mixed up when I say, you know, I did this and it was wrong, but I did it because of how you're acting. Well, right. Now it's really tough to navigate. I have to own what I did. Right. And even if there's, we need to work through the difficulty, I need to own my part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's big. And then second um, thing, there's forgiveness, and then there's also repentance. Mm -hmm. And those two really work together. And are they the same thing? No, they're different. Yeah. Forgiveness and repentance are different. And so, uh, and again, I know you'll cover this a little bit, but when I come to you for forgiveness, there's one thing if I offer up the information, because my heart's broken, I hurt you, I want to come to you and ask for forgiveness. Then when I come and ask for forgiveness because you've already, I've already been caught, mm -hmm. you know, how do we navigate some of those feelings mm -hmm. when we've been there? And then so to ask for forgiveness and offer forgiveness and then actually repentance is a change. Mm -hmm. And so, right. you know, they go together. I have to first come and, and ask for forgiveness. But if I don't repent after I ask for forgiveness, we're going to get into a, a cycle. Right. So we know that forgiveness comes when you say you're sorry. I mean, we learned that as little kids. Like, you, I say I'm sorry and you forgive me. But if you get into a cycle of saying you're sorry without ever changing, then it actually defeats your marriage instead of builds your marriage. It's one thing to say I'm sorry, but to say I'm sorry and never change, you get into this cycle where there is no trust. 
And because I can't trust you that you actually are sorry if your actions don't change. Right. So repentance is really about your actions changing. It is. My heart has to be repentance. But and I know we talked about this. We were putting this together. So if I get ahead of the game here, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. But when somebody comes and asks for forgiveness, as you said, it's very difficult. Take some courage to say, I've been messing up. That's a point of real grace. Mm -hmm. For the person that has just heard, my, my spouse has done something wrong. They've affected our life together. They're, they're being courageous enough to say, I messed up here. And they're coming in, in that place. Now I offer forgiveness, but it's not just like, it's okay. Everything will be okay. I'm sorry. There's a grace that comes to bear. And in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that we minister grace to the hearer. And to minister grace to someone, when we talk about repentance, uh, they have to turn. But we can help that process in grace because grace, again, is unmerited favor, mm -hmm. right? You have to look at if I'm going to minister grace, you've done something wrong. You don't deserve my forgiveness. You don't right. deserve me to just go, we're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. But it's grace. I'm going to give some right. unmerited favor. Right? But I'm also yeah. going to allow the Spirit of God to work from my heart, the love of God, and let there be a divine influence imparted. Mm -hmm. That if I can give that grace, it'll start to reflect in the life. And grace empowers someone. So when they know there's forgiveness, when they know there's grace being offered, there's an opportunity to together be empowered for change. Right. That's very good. So, and also, you have to be committed to get to the root of it. Right. You can't truly repent if you won't examine and get to the root of it. That's right. So, yep. So, rebuilding trust in your marriage. <laughs> it's a process. Um, let me ask you this question. Does forgiveness depend upon the offender making changes? Does it depend on that? Does forgiveness depend on that? No. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but trust does depend on that. Yes, yes. And so we have to rebuild trust in the marriage. And trust and truth go hand in hand. And so if we're going to be able to offer forgiveness and uh, true repentance, there has to be truth. So, And you can forgive somebody that never, ever changes, but you can't continue to have a good relationship with them. Right. So that's really the point of it. You want to stay together. So you're going to have to... Uh, have repentance and change and get to the root of it and build trust and have forgiveness. And there's right. a lot of things that, that go along with that. So you have to really be willing to put an end to deception. Yes. You've got to be able to bring this to the table, get it out in the light. You know, this morning we talked a little bit about that woman that was drug out in, into the temple before God. And really all of her sin was brought out into the light. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we can get into the dark areas. That's where the enemy works. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light. I bring light. And where I'm at, there is no darkness. And so we want to bring things into the light. We want to bring things into the truth. Because you can deal with something. If you've ever worked on anything to fix anything in the dark, it's difficult. Right. But in the light, it makes it much easier. So yeah. truth always brings light to the situation. Right. So... And true, uh, light in the situation really is honesty. It's honesty. Mm -hmm. And honesty is painful in things like this. It's painful for both parties. But you really have to be committed to mm -hmm. be honest. Um, just one specific um, instance where we had a, a couple that, that we were ministering to that had a really great debt. And in mm -hmm. having that debt, when they committed to be honest and open and repentant and get to the root of it, God came alongside yes. of them and they demolished that debt in, I mean, like probably Amazing. a tenth of yes. the time that it would have taken naturally to do that yeah. because God just came alongside of them. And really, that, that was so. a prime example of confession, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of forgiveness, mm -hmm. of grace offered, mm -hmm. of repentance, and total restoration. Right. Yeah. Right. It's powerful. So in some of these types of situations, honesty and light and openness means that you might have to go to a support group. You might have to go to a counselor. You might need an accountability partner because some of these things that were hidden, um, you need help to be able to get right. through some of these things. 
Um, you might even have to walk out some consequences. But if you're willing to stick with each other and let God get in the middle of it, then you're going to make it. Right. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you just think, well, why do we need to go to somebody? There's always a, when you come and say there's a problem here, mm -hmm. but we don't need to go to someone. We can fix it. Um, you have to be careful of the fear that you're, you're, you're letting that person know, like, I got this. Mm -hmm. But when you came and confessed, you basically said, I don't got this. Mm -hmm. So I haven't got this. It got out of hand. But I'm telling you right now, I got this. Mm -hmm. But to build trust, to say, listen, if you don't have this, let's get somebody to help us get over the top with this. Right. And don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed of that. Because somebody who's been with numbers of people that have gone through issues like this can help you get over the top and mm -hmm. bring restoration to your marriage. That's right. That's right. And one thing I want to say about forgiveness is um, forgiveness is something that you walk through. And it is a decision to forgive. And it's a decision right now to say, I forgive you. But Thank you. you're welcome. <laughs> but then next week, when negative thoughts or feelings come, I still forgive you. And next year, I still forgive you. And I guarantee you, you'll walk through things in your process of forgiveness that you will have to continue over and over and over again to reiterate your forgiveness. But when you do that, there's such power in it. And God really uses that to strengthen your relationship. So you've talked a lot so, about forgiveness. So yeah. if I say, we come and we say, Here, here's the issue, right? I'm sorry about that. Um, and you forgive me. Yeah. Does that guarantee that now we're reconciled? Well, actually, <laughs> no. But what it does guarantee is that I'm going to be free. Forgiveness is more about me than it is you in this case. Forgiveness mm -hmm. is more about me. Um, one person said this. They said, forgiveness is refusing to swallow the bitter pill that will eventually destroy you. It's going to destroy me if I hold unforgiveness. So forgiveness is me giving it to God. And a lot of times people withhold forgiveness because they think, you know, that person needs to pay. That person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. And what, they'll walk away and, and have, you know, be scot-free and I'm the one that suffered. But you, holding unforgiveness, you actually suffer more. Yes. It, it can even then begin to physically do things to your body. Right. So, no, forgiveness does not automatically guarantee reconciliation, but it guarantees my freedom. freedom. Yeah. Yes. And one person said it like this, too. They said, um, forgiveness is letting the person off the hook because it's giving the Lord that pole, and God is well able to take care of them. And, and when I forgive them and put them into the hands of God, now God deals with the situation, right. and God will always vindicate me. That's right. So. God will always take care of it. And that, that forgiving yeah. is usually what you just said. I forgive them. I take my hands off of that situation. I give it over to God. Yeah. And now I'm more free to work forward. Because right. unforgiveness always keeps you in the past. Yeah. And uh, in does. order to get through the past, build new trust, have the life that God intended, you have to move forward. And un unforgiveness will keep you in that past. Right. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so here's another question that came in to us, and there's a lot more to that. I mean, I just pray that God works that in right. the heart of, of, you know, those, those right there. Mm -hmm. So how do you navigate feeling like you're the one who always gives in when you have a disagreement? Well, since I'm the one that always gives in, I knew I don't you were going to say that. But I wrote this question. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> always, I always give in. You never give in. Right? <laughs> it's all about control. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I know. I'm not the one that always gives in. So. <laughs> You want to start answering this question? <laughs> well, always is pretty absolute. And, and the enemy would definitely want you to feel like you're always the one that gives in. And I would say this. If you are the one that, that seems to never say you're sorry, that seems to uh, never want the argument to end and, and put an end to it, then you need to examine your own heart and you need to let the Lord deal with you on that. Um, because actually, it's a good trait to be the one who is the peacemaker. 
Yes, it so. is a good trait. And sometimes in wanting to be the peacemaker, we set out at the very beginning of our marriage and develop a very bad habit. Uh. And that is, you know, not learning how to resolve conflict. Hmm. So when conflict comes, and just briefly to understand a little bit about conflict resolution, we don't have enough time to go into that, but when there's a conflict and you recognize there's a conflict, then the best thing to do is say, here's the conflict, bring it out on the table, and how are we going to resolve this conflict? And most of the time we rush to resolving the conflict, and whoever the peacemaker is at that time says, oh, you know what, this was probably my fault. I'll do whatever it takes to make this right. And you just have to think about it for a minute. If I say I'll do whatever, <laughs> why not? She's going to say, okay, you do whatever. And so you immediately put on the table, I'm wrong. And, as, and so you do whatever, and it seems like, okay, that fixes it for a while. Come back, there's another conflict. I'll do whatever it takes. But in conflict resolution, you come to a negotiation. Mm -hmm. Here's what's going on. These are the behaviors. These are the things that created the conflict. These are the differences. And so in that negotiation, here's what I'm willing to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't bring everything and say, I'll do whatever. I'll give it all in this moment. And especially when you're first married and, and the situations aren't huge, you just say, here's what I'm willing to do. You know, I'll maybe just use this example to, to just, if there's a conflict about laundry and, and who's going to do what about laundry. So we come to negotiate and, and who's going to get the laundry because you just leave the laundry on the floor and then I have to pick up all the laundry. So if I say, you know what, in order to do this, does this work? If I at least put my laundry in the hamper and she says, if you'll put your laundry in the hamper, then I'll take it from the hamper and take it to the laundry and that mm -hmm. will work great, mm -hmm. right? So we negotiate. You're going to do something. I'm going to do something. And yeah. so we don't get into, I'm doing everything. I've offered to do my part. If she says, no, you, you should put your uh, laundry in the hamper anyway. What would help me a lot is if you took the hamper down to the laundry room, then I'll do the laundry, I'll fold it, and I'll put it away. Okay, so then we offer that. So it's not a one-sided deal. Whatever the conflict is, then I give my, if you start that type of negotiation, you never come to the point of, I do everything. Right. And so sometimes we get to that point, but we didn't create the right habits to where we're working together in resolving the conflicts that come. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Just a thought. That is a good thought. Conflict resolution. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thought. Yeah. So I think about it this way too, though. Um, the Lord is always looking for the person who will move toward forgiveness yes. so that he can enter into a situation. And again, pray because he's willing and able to deal with our spouse in ways that we can't. Yeah, so that's true. That's, it's always good to have him in the middle of it. And uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. So here's another question. Uh, what would you say to the one who has difficulty with holding a grudge? Stop it. No. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. <laughs> so. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I want to hear more about that. <laughs> really, grudges are a sign that you're, you're stuck. You're stuck in victim mode. Right. Right. Uh, I'm holding on to this because I'm a victim. And so yeah. it, it's, you're really just trying to get, you've been, you feel like the justice hasn't been served for you. And so you're going to hold on to it. You're going to take control, basically have control of that area yeah. that, that uh, you've got a hold of. So, yeah. you know, it's like, like you were talking about unforgiveness. We get to a point where in some ways, I think we're almost afraid that if we give it to God, God's going to make it right and forgive them. And we think somebody should pay Right. For what's happened to us or how you've made me feel. And so I need to make you pay for this and, and uh, let yeah. that go. But and I know I've felt that way. I have felt like I am just not ready to let it go. I mean, you know, <laughs> I know that's a surprise to you. Cause <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to have trouble tonight wondering what those things are. I thought you let them go in a moment's time. Right. You're I remember one time I tried so hard to hold a grudge and not talk to you. And it was like it killed me inside because I was I, I can't I couldn't do it. I kept going. You know, I, I just thought I'll give you the silent treatment. 
And I couldn't do it. I absolutely couldn't do it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of that instance. Maybe I was hoping you would. Yeah, well, it didn't work. Side. So <laughs> I know <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> so yeah, you have to let go of that sense of injustice and trying to make somebody pay. Um, and also, I had a couple scriptures that I pulled up on this. Colossians 3, 13 and 14 out of the Message Bible. It says, so chosen of God for this new life of love. That's good. I have to use some glasses for a second. It's like, I have like double vision. You want me to read it? Really? Oh, I can read it. Okay. <laughs> for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Quick to forgive an offense. And then it says, forgive as quickly and as completely as the master forgave you, and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Mm -hmm. So that was a good one. And then Psalm 103, verse 6, it says, God makes everything come out right. He puts victims back on their feet. He showed Moses how he went about his work, opened up his plans to all Israel. God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. He's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold, nor hold grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. So I like that because it's just talking about mercy and grace, mercy yeah. and grace, having an e even temper, being content in that place to forgive, yes. continually forgiving. First Corinthians so. chapter 13 says love does not take an account right. of a wrong done to it. It's not accounting. It's not adding up those things. And I think right. an important thing when you're talking about a grudge, an offense, how you deal with it, you always have to watch out for your self-talk. Mm -hmm. I think what holds us is yeah. I can look at you and say, I forgive you outwardly. Right. But when I walk away, if I rehearse what was done for me, if I yes. start saying, well, you're this kind of person. And, Did you and hear what talk, he said to me? Yeah, and, and, uh, and that yeah. self-talk about, yeah. you know what, they're always doing this. And, and uh, they did this to me, and I feel this way, and they make me feel this way, and it's all internal. Right. You can never let it go. You have to watch that self-talk. Marriage is such a walk of faith. Yeah. And, and what we say concerning our spouse, what we say concerning our marriage, what we allow our mind to think will begin to cultivate what we have. Mm -hmm. If we continue to say things about our spouse, you always hurt me, you always do this wrong, you never do this right, pretty soon that's what's going to evolve in our marriage mm -hmm. because we have what we say. And if, right. we can, if, we, if we let things go, we forgive and we begin to say this is what I see God has said about my marriage. This is what I, this is what I believe about you. Mm -hmm. When we go back to marriage, why did I marry you? Um, and the good things that I saw in you. So if I call on those things right. rather than the negative things that have taken place, it is a life of faith. It, God inhabits every part of our marriage. And if right. God inhabits every part of our marriage, if he's in that, then faith has to work because God really authors faith. So if we believe mm -hmm. God is in this part of our marriage, if God is in the financial part of our marriage, if God is in our, our relationship and how we operate, if I'm saying stuff totally contrary to the word in my own thought life, mm -hmm. then I need to reconcile, get my mind right, get my self-talk right, so my outward talk will be aligned with what's in me. Yes. I can say things outwardly about what I think it should be and to appease things, but if my inward talk, I'm doubting in my heart, right. we're not going to have that. So you can say all the right things outside, but if your inside talk, faith's not working. Yeah. yeah. But if my inward talk, my self-talk is the same and lines up with my outward declaration of what God wants to do, faith is activated. But if immediately I'm like... We're going to be okay. And I walk away and my self-talk is we're never going to be okay because you're not going to change and things are going to happen. Right. Then we're, our so verbal and our non-verbal are, are clashing. Right. So where do you start to begin to work on your self-talk? What, what's um, a tip that you can give to somebody who has really negative self-talk? Where do you start? I think you begin to praise. You begin to praise. You just got to get some praise and some worship. You need to begin to uh, play music just to get your heart lifted. Mm -hmm. God inhabits the praises of his people. But you, then you have to look into the word 
And you have to draw upon the word because God loves you. God has forgiven you. Mm-hmm. I remember when we first got married and uh, I was kind of stuck in this place. I, I, now we're talking about, I guess it was kind of a grudge, <laughs> but we would have an argument and you were always quick to go, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so I got to a point of going, And I meant it. I really meant it. Right. We were navigating. It was early. Yeah. But I, I remember going on a drive one time and speaking to God openly and saying, God, um, I don't think I have to forgive her because I don't think she's really sorry. Because she says she's sorry, but then we have this again. Sorry, sorry, so I don't have to forgive. And I remember just the Spirit of God rising up on the inside of me, bringing up a a situation Mm -hmm. in my life where I was trying to grow and develop in God. And he said, how many times have you said sorry to me about this situation? And of course, then it's a little embarrassing because I was like, oh, wow, it's more than I I ever want to have to say I'm sorry. I, I want to change Wow. And he said, uh, when you say you're sorry, do you count on me forgiving you? And I say, absolutely. If you don't forgive me, I have no hope. And he said, in the same way, mm-hmm. then you have to forgive. Mm-hmm. So I think when we get what helps your self-talk is to know this is what God says about you. Right. Right. Yes. When you're in a situation, when you're trying to break through, when you're trying to yeah. come back from a mistake, how does God speak to you and then you can start saying okay i'm gonna i'm gonna talk like god talks Mm -hmm. and how god how i talk about myself in faith i'm gonna express that in my inner thoughts about my spouse yeah that's very good one minister says it's the chatterbox you have to silence the chatterbox inside yeah it's very good i like that that's very good all right another question um is this uh, our kids have been watching a lot more television and movies lately. Is there any kind of Christian programming that you would recommend? And actually, we have a slide. There is. There is some great things. And I not only recommend this for your children, but also for adults too. Messenger International, John and Lisa Bevere, um, with Messenger Courses. They have, and that's where you go, messengercourses.com. They have a number of free things right now. And actually, they're, they're for a donation. So any kind of donation, whether it's a dollar or $10 or whatever, you can join Messenger Courses. And there is all kinds of kid programming. They have these new shows that they're coming up with, Liberardo and uh, The Hidden Crown. And they also have the brand new one that just came out last week. It's the Family Road Trip. And so they have all kinds of great things that they're offering for the whole family. So when you join into Messenger Courses, not only do you get the kids programming, you get everything that John and Lisa have done as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a great deal. We were on a Zoom call with them just last week, Uh and they were saying that they opened this up because the Lord told them that people need things in this time to be able to deal with everything that they're going through. And so, so many of those courses are awesome and really great Mm -hmm. for you. Um, Second thing, Right Now Media has free access to a limited amount of their library, but there's a whole bunch of good things in there for kids of all different ages, all the way from uh, teens to and children to adults. Um, Superbook, Pure Flix, and Faith Flix all are offering a limited time free trial. So if you join in, all of their content is open to you. And then also, I just heard this, Mark Hankins Ministries has opened up a lot of free things on their website too. So things for the whole family to build yourselves up right now. Mm -hmm. And I really encourage you, I mean, in this time, do some Bible studies as a family. Get Get together around Bible studies and devotionals. Those are some of the best times that we had with our family and with our kids. So it's great. Time is moving. Okay, so let's get on. Um, What do you feel are the biggest stressors in marriage? And the second question that goes right along with this, what are some of the concerns for marriages and families during this time? And what are some practical measures that we can take? So two different questions really along the same lines. What do you feel are the biggest stressors in marriage? Um, According to Psychology Today, they say these are the four biggest stressors in marriage. Work-related stress or job loss, uh, too tired for intimacy, arguments about money, parenthood, which includes having a baby or problems with children. And Mm -hmm. I think that pretty much covers your whole life, right? right? (laughs) Life is stressful! (laughs) 
that's, that's everything. That's every part of our life. Right. So it can be a stressor. <laughs> but <laughs> how can stress be managed if those are stressors in our life and they show up in things like anxiety and depression and high emotions and substance abuse? How can we begin to manage uh, those things right now. Certainly some of those to the degree, well, like we said before, you can seek out help in different areas, <laughs> professionals uh, that work with this. But one of the main ways that you know we can look at the stressors, and number three, uh, Ed, Ed Cole used to say this, the problems that really create issues in marriage, communication, sex, and money, if we, if we bring that down and, and we get good at communication mm -hmm. and uh, work on our communication skills, we need to talk about these things and, and not allow the emotion to dominate uh, everything that goes on to create the stress, the anxiety, the pressures that come, but begin to communicate, begin to talk things yeah. out, begin to work together. Marriage is such a union. It can be a power union to overcome these things. But if we don't communicate, we get our own thoughts, right. we get our own uh, you know, allow things to create pressure on one another, um, it can break down and really begin to be. Yeah. Um, and even communication more with each other, but also, like, if you are experiencing anxiety or depression or really intense emotions, you might need to communicate with somebody right. or even substance abuse. You might need to communicate with somebody. So don't be afraid to reach out right. to somebody. I know that um, here in our valley, there's Trailhead uh, Christian Counseling that you could reach out if you needed to talk to somebody. Yes. You can reach out yeah. to somebody. Reach out and, and work with that. Right. There's people, there's friends that you have in your life um, that are can be accountability partners that can really help you with those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Or reach out to your pastor and, and reach out and say, I need help with this. Right. It's okay. It's a good, good thing to manage it is to really think about picking your battles. Yeah. Right. Right. Not Pick your battles. That's another to, one. Not right. everything has to blow up into a big deal. Right. Especially at this time where we're trying to grow, we're trying to figure out what it is. Uh, everything does mm -hmm. not have to become a big deal. So right. pick your battles. Right. Pick your battles too, because um, we're encouraged to fight the good fight of faith. Right. But <laughs> sometimes we just want a good fight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But fight the good fight of faith. That's the one to fight. And that means uh, praying and getting on your knees and, and fighting that fight of faith. Right. So, yeah. You know, when we talk about these stress management, Philippians chapter 4 really begins mm -hmm. to break down and cover some things for us. Number one, rejoice. Yeah. Rejoice. Uh, uh, you know, as we were singing that song, we ended praise and worship. I love that. Praise is my breakthrough. Worship is right. my... Right. Um, yeah. What? Warfare. 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 Um, I was kept trying to think of warrior. Worship is my warfare. <laughs> my warfare. And so yeah. when stress begins to fill your house with yes. praise and worship, to turn on the music, to yes. sing, to open up your heart to God. And so yeah. he starts off and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men, which would be let your moderation be known to your spouse, your family. Right. In other words, do your best to stop the highs and the lows. One day we're all excited about something, the next day we're very low. But let's find a place where we're walking together. Let's say, let your moderation be known to all men. The right. Lord is at hand, God's here, God's in it. Uh, let's, let's put faith in him. And then he says, be anxious, take anxiety for nothing, but by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, mm -hmm. let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In other mm -hmm. words, if my heart is guarded and I'm not anxious, I'm not stressed because I've rejoiced. I, I, I'm working on that, walking with God every day evenly. And then I'm praying and peace comes. Right. Then uh, it's going to work out. And then he says, think on these things. And mm -hmm. so... You know, sometimes we feel like I'm praying, I'm listening to worship music, but then again, we come to that self-talk or we come to what we're thinking about. If we're mm -hmm. thinking about all the negative things that are going on, he says, now think on these things, the things mm -hmm. that are true, the things that are lovely, the things that are of good report. If there's right. anything praiseworthy, he says, think on these things. And so he talks about that whole avenue of combating really stress that would go on in our lives. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. We need that, choosing to rejoice. And it can be just that simple, choosing to rejoice, right. choosing it.
and grace and understanding. I found this scripture in Proverbs 14, 29 through 30, and it says this is out of the message. It says, slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. A quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. A sound mind makes for a robust body, and a run but runaway emotions corrode the bones. And I thought, wow, what a great way to put it. Mm -hmm. that, that runaway emotions, you know, we just want to avoid that. So how can you do it? Choose to rejoice instead. Yeah. I mean, just make the choice to not go there. Rejoice. Yep. Yeah. Merry heart does good like a medicine. Right. Right. Amen. Which, speaking of which, uh, one person said this, laughter is good medicine. What are some of the funniest things that you have heard or seen to help people process in this time? <laughs> so your smoking toilet was pretty funny when <laughs> we came in to do that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my brother-in-law went to use the bathroom and I said, is the toilet still smoking? And he goes, said, well, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that's good. Just keeping a light heart uh, yeah. is good. Keeping a light heart. Um, my uh, One person showed us this. It's a, it's a really funny video. We don't have it tonight. But uh, Matthew West has a very funny video out about quarantine. Uh -huh. And so that's a fun one to we watch. You can that. look for it. Yep. Uh, also, there's all kinds of, and we've been doing this, just sitting down at night and just kind of laughing at funny memes or things that people are doing that are kind of a, a play on what's happening right now, but in a funny way. Right. Just sharing them with each other and laughing about stuff like that. So laughter is good medicine. Merry yeah. heart does good. Amen. Keep, keep it light. Keep it light. Laugh. Laugh together. It's good. So I think that's all. All right. That's the last question. Yeah. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so you can always share with us things that you're doing that really bring joy and are, uh, cause you to laugh, uh, things that are yeah. good memories, things that are really important to you. We'd love in to fact, see what you're doing to help things along in this time yeah. uh, to make your union, your family time uh, In fact, just time. share it on Facebook. Share uh, those, those funny things that you're finding so that other people can maybe join in on that and, and have a laugh. So Amen. share some of those things. Eileen shared one with me today. Eileen Martin shared an exercise video that's just hilarious. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yep. there's a lot out there. <laughs> there's a lot out there. All right. A lot. Well, yes. Father, we thank you for this night. Father, we just uh, pray right now. We declare, God, we, we command the strategies of the enemy to be broken over families and marriages. You said whatever we bind on earth would be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth would be loosed in heaven. So we bind the strategies of the enemy against marriages, against families right now in the name of Jesus. We loose the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord to inhabit homes. God, that you would move into those homes, that you would take up residence there in the hearts of husbands, in the hearts of wives. The strategy of the enemy to create stress and worry, anxiety, division, anger would begin to be broken. That a new pathway would be revealed to them concerning love and joy and peace and strength. God, I thank you that their faith would not fail them, but their faith would arise stronger, that they would trust in you with all of their heart. That they would not acknowledge you in all of their ways. They would acknowledge you in the ways of marriage. God, I pray for each one that they would understand that you ordained marriage, not them. That you have a plan for that. And your spirit inhabits the very aspects of their marriage. And so, God, what you desire out of that is that there would be offspring from the, that relationship, that covenant relationship. Not just godly children from them, but offspring. There would be fruit that would come out and affect other people from those marriages. And so help each one, strengthened by grace, each one to guard the very spirit of their marriage. Not to let it go, not to open the door through strife or division or being casual about their marriage, not to open the door and invite the enemy in to cause division and destruction. But they would actually mount up a garrison. They would purposely guard at this time the spirit of their marriage. Yeah. Holding fast to that covenant that you've ordained for us to walk in. That they would see that the enemy is trying to weaken through division, but you have designed strength through unity. 
And so we declare and command blessing yes. upon the homes that are watching right now. Thank you, Lord. Upon the homes that are in the sphere of our influence as pastors, we speak blessing, we speak, speak strength, we speak unity and reconciliation. By the Spirit of God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I hope this time helped. Thanks for your questions. It was really good to um, be able to just share some of those nuggets. Amen. And uh, I hope it helped everybody. Amen. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's good, so. good to be with you all tonight. Yes. Uh, you can say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus. Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. Make it a great week. Amen.